With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, indeed. Once again, it is the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Experience. Coast-to-coast, to coast, border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and, of course, RadioZenu.com. Check out our brand-new app. It's available on the Android App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. Live as live can get each and every Sunday here on RadioZenu.com. We want to thank Pip and the crew for letting us on the air once again this week. And uh, I will be going, ladies and gentlemen, to the Porn Awards. Yes, I'll be going to the AVNs in Las Vegas. Coming up at the end of the month. Spoke with the crew yesterday, and we uh, put together plans for this lovely, lovely adventure. And uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to the world-famous Chicky Jaguar Experience. RadioZenu.com. Check us out on Twitter, at RadioZenu. Also on the Facebook, RadioZenu. This week on our broadcast, we've got Anita Kovic with us today. We'll also be speaking to, uh, and I don't know how the hell to pronounce her last name. She will pronounce it during the interview. I'm very much aware of that. Dr. Tammy. And it's a very interesting perspective of self and metaphysical stuff and all that shenanigans. We're also going to be talking to Robert Rice about some of the best viral videos of 2015, and we'll be chatting with Danny Quintana, who is a wheelchair tennis champion, and also he has got a big, big petition that he's trying to get a million signatures, and we'll talk about that as well. Also, We'll have a uh, special guest uh, towards the end of the broadcast. But uh, let's get into it. Before we do that, I want to tell you about a few things that are kind of on my mind, as they say. I've got you on my money, as they say. Actually, they don't say that at all. I don't even say that. But apparently, the United States is heading for a fantastic 2016. Uh, we have armored standoffs. Uh, we have militias taking things over. We have presidential candidates. Uh, it is, it is a hell of a deal this year. And, uh, Megyn Kelly is on the front of Vanity Fair. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the hell that means. I don't know what that means to anyone. But, um, she is. So that's the way that goes. Um, Area 51. Uh, is a, is a big topic of, a big topic of news. Uh, presidential candidate Hillary Clinton discusses the possibility of alien life. Area 51. She says that aliens may have already visited us. Uh, she plans to investigate Area 51 if she is elected. Uh, 
Well, I got news for you. If you ever get anywhere near the White House, you will be told to not investigate a thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think she's off her meds again. Hillary Clinton says that aliens may have already visited humanity, and they got the hell out of here, as far as I'm concerned. I think we may have been visited already. We don't know for sure. The Democratic presidential frontrunner told the Connolly Daily Sunday uh, during a campaign stop in New Hampshire last week. Her comment came after being asked about her husband, Bill Clinton's comments during an appearance on the late-night show Jimmy Kimmel Live in 2014, when he suggested that extraterrestrial life could have already visited us. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, it's it, it's it's not that big of a deal. But um, we've got a great show lined up right now. Welcome to the big broadcast, coast to coast to border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course iHeartRadio. Monday through Friday we are live, 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 PM Mountain Standard. And 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com. Our brand new Android app is available, JiggyJaguar.us. Stream the show live, 24-7. Replay, and of course, past programming information, exclusive news, all sorts of things. 50-plus AM FM stations as well. We've got two great guests with us today here on the line. Our uh, first one is our good friend Ann Speckard, and uh, she is uh, going to be with us today talking about ISIS and uh, the ISIS brides. Uh, we're going to be talking to her for at least uh, 30 minutes today, and uh, Dr. Speckard is with us today on the telephone. Also today, we have our good friend IQ Al Rizzoli. He is with us as well. He has uh, some knowledge and some uh, and some background in this. Uh, he he knows about ISIS. He knows of ISIS. In fact, uh, ISIS and some of the cohorts in ISIS uh, don't like IQ so much because he speaks out about them that he actually has a price on his head. So uh, he joins us live as well. But before we get into this, uh, Dr. Speckard, the website anspeckard.com. Um, Dr. Speckard, tell us a little bit about these ISIS brides, my friend. Well, um, what do you want to know? It's a big topic. I mean, they're coming from all over the world, and they're uh, marrying ISIS cadres. Uh, when their husband gets killed, they very quickly marry another one. Not always happily so, but uh, once you're in ISIS, you don't leave. If well, you want to leave, they uh, split your throat. It, it, it seems to be uh, hundreds of young women worldwide have been recruited to the Islamic State because uh, the so-called jihadi brides, few of them are returning home. Uh, the ISIS terror thugs have released a sickening set of rules for women who want to wage uh, jihad, including detailed guidelines for when she has permission to become a suicide bomber. Women are told they may train in combat and exercise, but only if they cover their bodies and do it away from men. As jihadi brides grow in number, the attacks are becoming more sophisticated. And we've got Dr. Speckard with us today. Um, t t tell us a little bit about this, because I know that you have uh, a couple different books. You've got the, the latest is Bride of Isis, One Young Woman's Path into Homegrown Terrorism. How does your book address uh, this whole thing? And then I'll let IQ jump in there with some questions. Okay. Um, oh, it's um, Bride of Isis was based on one girl's story. It was Shannon Connolly. She's a Denver teen, and she was a Catholic girl, so and white. So she's uh, very much the girl next door, not somebody that you would expect is uh, going to go off and join ISIS. 
but she's the fourth daughter in a family of four. Her mom's a professor, her dad's an IT professional, and uh, she converted to Islam at age 17. We don't know why, so I decided when I wrote the book to fictionalize it, just uh, uh, pick a reason that uh, fits for lots of other girls that I've studied. But um, the book itself is completely unnoted, so you can tell everything that's true in it and fits the actual case. And the actual case is uh, Shannon Connolly converted at 17. By age 19, she was trying to get on a plane to go join her ISIS lover and become his bride. And first, um, when she converted, she started listening to Anwar al-Awlaki on the um, uh, jihadi videos. And over the Internet, she got convinced that her duty as a Muslim, and most Muslims will totally disagree with this, her duty is to wage jihad either go to the battlefield or bring the battlefield to her. So she downloaded guerrilla manuals from Al-Qaeda, and she studied them and decided for her um, a VIP attack sounded like what she'd like to, to do. She was reading about guerrilla warfare. And she was uh, approached by the FBI actually 13 times. The FBI got wind of her because she'd been wearing a salafi outfit and hanging around a church that uh, felt threatened. So they... Um, uh, called local law enforcement. Those guys had the knowledge to call the FBI and involve them. Yeah. And the FBI tried to talk to her, and she showed them the manual she was studying and said, I decided I can't carry out this attack. It's not realistic for me, but I think it's totally justified, and it should be done. Wow. So she was uh, quite an angry young woman. We've got uh, IQ Al Rizzoli with us today as well, uh, joining us as he does each and every Wednesday. And uh, I wanted to get IQ in here to, to, to pick your brain on some things. IQ, uh, listening to, to the doctor here, uh, I'm sure you've got some questions, my friend. Yeah, the question is, how many of these people, I mean, I have a good idea, of course, but how many, in your opinion, do you think are so-called radicalized, but in reality, how many of them are following the rule book of Sharia? Ah, that's a good question. I think that what I'm hearing, we're making interviews with ISIS defectors right now. So we're talking to people that, I think the most latest one that came out was only 40 days out of uh, ISIS. So they're speaking about the group quite recently. But what they tell us is that the Syrians are pretty much forced to join ISIS. Their, their area becomes overtaken, um, they need food, they're desperate. Uh, the only way you can survive is to be uh, linked to ISIS unless you're uh, independently wealthy, which most people aren't. And, um, but they say that the foreigners are already very convinced and very devoted to Sharia before they even come. So they've taken on this ideology over the internet through some teacher in face-to-face, -face, depending on where they come from. But they said the Europeans are extremely dedicated already. So probably they are following Sharia. Once you're there, you're forced to. And um, But there's tons of hypocrisy. Like today we just talked to a defector and he told us, I was part of the Hizbah and... Uh, if I saw somebody smoking a cigarette, that's the morality police, for those that don't know what that is. If I saw someone smoking a cigarette, I had to beat them, but I myself carried a pack of cigarettes with me at all times and smoked when I was out of sight. 
and uh, it's pretty common. And we hear lots of stories of rapes that are covered up and, you know, things that are just an anathema to Islam carried out by people that are claiming that they're uh, carrying the true Islam. We've got... Does that answer your question? Yes. Uh, IQ, jump in there. But the reality is that every Muslim on the planet, irrespective in which country they are, especially if they are in the West, they cannot ever be loyal to the American Constitution or European Constitution because they are not Sharia from Allah. This is the tragedy. The tragedy in the West is that Western mind of the Judeo-Christian tradition cannot believe, they cannot absorb the reality that Islam is not a religion. Islam is a political, economic, religious, uh, a way of life. It's a complete way of life. It's not a religion, it's a cult belief system. It is incompatible with Western democracy and freedom. I know well, these I words. Well, I would, I would, I would, I would answer. Yeah, I would answer you on that and say, when JFK in our country was being considered as a presidential candidate, he was Catholic, and the same thing was said that no Catholics could ever be um, pure to purely loyal to the Constitution because Catholics are loyal to the Pope above all else, and you know that's been resolved. So I think. I, I see your point, and absolutely, there are some people that um, are crazy and extremist and uh, dedicated to violence, and they will never, ever um, uh, recognize any form of government other than their extremist religious views, and they're following an extremist political system. But I totally disagree with you that that applies to all Muslims. Well let me enlighten you with all your respect. If you can find one single operative verse in Muhammad's Quran, a single verse, there are 6,236 verses. If you find this verse, which shows any compassion and mercy towards unbelievers go far, which is now 80% humanity, I'm more than happy to pay $200,000 to any charity you will pick up. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not a scholar of the Quran, but I can certainly tell you my experience. And right now, my research partner is a Muslim. And he's not in the least bit dedicated to extremist Islam, as you are speaking. And really, you're insulting him. And you're insulting so many people that I consider friends and colleagues. And, you know, well, I just totally disagree with you. I mean... I mean, again and again, you disagree with me, not based on knowledge, based on... No, uh, based on knowledge, based on knowledge. No, not at all, it's not at all. Anybody who follows well, Sharia... I don't, no, no, I don't have respect. knowledge you of, said, of my research colleague. I don't have knowledge of the person I work with who is working side by side with me trying to discredit ISIS. I mean, he's not committed to these extremist views, and he's a Muslim. And... Well, he's a, you know, he's a Muslim. Yeah. No, no, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to understand you with all your respect. But you are telling okay. me he's not well, a Muslim. Okay, what about, what, about, what about the Muslims that helped in the detainee rehabilitation program? They came to Iraq. Uh, some of them were from Iraq. 
and they fought with Al-Qaeda. They came into Camp Buka and they came into Camp Proper and they talked to the detainees and they said, this extremist view of Islam is not true, it's not correct. Let, let's give you the true version of Sharia. Every religion has many interpretations. Um, yeah. And many religions have lots of schisms. I mean, the Catholic and the Orthodox Church split over uh, certain things in the in the interpretation of the scriptures. Yeah. So you can say your interpretation of the scriptures is that there is no mercy uh, for mankind. But I totally disagree with you. At the same time, I will say I'm a psychologist. I am not a scholar of the scriptures. But I am a scholar of people, and I have had plenty of research colleagues that have worked against extremism who are practicing Muslims. We've got... Uh, they are practicing Muslims, and they are using yes. Let me explain something to you. Oh, that's have ridiculous. Have you ever heard of red in history? Have so you ever heard of red in history? The same thing. They could say the same thing about JFK, but, that he was hiding his loyalty to the Pope, and so he couldn't possibly be loyal to the United States. I mean, that's you keep comparing Islam with Christianity. Yes, because... No, but you can't compare Islam with Christianity. You can't yes, compare you can. the two. Yes, you can. In the 1960s, no, no, not at all. the same Not at all. Islam is the only belief system. Islam is the only belief system that mandates upon its followers to hate anybody who is not a Muslim. You cannot find according a single word in you, the Catholic... According to you... That is not according to me. This is according to the Quran. So how do you explain the Inquisition? That wasn't hateful? That wasn't hateful to force Jews to at the uh, at the burning stick or the point? By the Catholic Church. At the, the Catholic Church. But I mean, you, 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 you yourself admitted you haven't read the Quran. And if you haven't read the Quran, yes, have on what the basis Quran. are you? I have, I, but you I should have read the Quran. Quran. I have no, read no. It. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I have read it. In chapter, and there's many verses okay. in about chapter 47. Mankind. Where? Where Maybe do you find I'm mercy for mankind in Quran? <laughs> I'm where? Sorry, where do you find that? I'm not going to continue to speak with you because you are insulting an entire uh, world religion and. It's not a religion. Why do you call it a religion? Based on what you call it a religion? Allah is there. Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible. So how can you call it a religion? I mean, I'm not. I'm, and how, I'm trying and how, to, and to how understand can, you. You say you read the Quran. You, how can you not call the world religion a religion? It is a religion. It's a. Why is it the world religion? They say it's a religion. They say Allah, their God, is the same as the God of the Bible. But then Allah is not the same as the God But it would be also the same IQ. It would also be the same thing of 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 uh, Christians saying that the Bible is. You think you are God, and none of us are God, and none of us are None of us can say my interpretation is the only one. There's many interpretations. I speak Arabic. Wait a minute. I speak Arabic. I come from Iran. My mother tongue is Arabic. I've you know what? You sound like you sound to me like the extremist who fool people the same oh, way no, you fool them into. Yes, yeah. because you're saying is, it, it, the people yeah. that that talk people into extremism tell them 
oh, only I speak Arabic. Only I can interpret the Quran to you. And that's ridiculous. No, no, I'm not saying that. You're, you're not no, the that's only that's teacher of Islam. And there are many thousands of world scholars. You show me an imam. You show me an imam. I will show you no, one. No, show me an imam. Have you studied 14 years what? Sharia training? Have you? Do you have certificates in Sharia training? No. And I can I need show a you an imam. Is that yeah. training? I need a certificate. I mean, are you implying I need a certificate? To have it on the side Sharia? Why? If you want to speak with authority, and I can show you an imam that has those certificates that will totally show me. With okay. You. Get me an imam to interview me. I'll be more than happy. If this imam can come with James, I'll be more than happy to talk to him. <laughs> this imam works with us, and unlike you, who insults a whole world religion and billions of people, yeah. uh, spoke with But love, this world religion uh, insults every other religion. Now, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Islam insults every other religion that, on the planet. That's how the Holocaust happened. People said that Jews have lice, and Jews are horrible people, and Jews will steal What's got to do with the Jews now? You what know, what has the Holocaust you? got how to do? No, no, no. What has the Holocaust got to do are, with Islam? Because you are promoting stereotypes that are hateful about a world religion. Stereotypes? No, 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 no. The only stereotypes I'm, me, I'm speaking I'm about... Don't call me darling. I'm not your darling. I'm not your darling. I apologize. You're not my dad. No. <laughs> but what you are doing is, no, I am not. you are telling people, no, you are telling people that because you have friends who are Muslims, I have friends who are Muslims. I talk to them, but I know I have, that from I their point of view, because I'm not a Muslim, I'm called an infidel. Okay. I'm an you infidel. Anybody you know who is not a Muslim is an infidel. Did you, ever, did you ever fly into a war zone? and try to fight extremism and uh, take mortar and take bullets because I did and the people that went right alongside with me into that war zone and were willing to risk their lives to fight extremism were yeah. Muslims and they were imams and they were much more trained in uh, which, Sharia which, which, and, which and were you in, in Afghanistan? No, I was no, no, in were you Iraq. in Afghanistan? I in no, I was in Iraq. You were in Iraq, you were in my country. In you were in my country. Yes, I was. So you were in, Iraq, my in, my country. in well. Iraq, my country, in the year 2003, let me tell you something. In the year 2003, we had 1.3 million Christians, the oldest Christian community on the planet. Today, as I speak to you, there are less than 200,000. Do you know why? Hello? Yes. Why are there less yes. than Why are Christians being slaughtered because everywhere in a Muslim country in the world? Because... The no, wait a minute. So but these I are so facts. I'm dealing with facts. You're not dealing with facts. Okay. Muslims now are I attacking will call Christians. You, now, now I will call you darling. What, what is it? I'm so <laughs> sorry, darling. Has this happened in your country? It's horrible, hateful extremists who are not uh -huh. um, true Muslims. They claim that they are, but they are oh, interpreting the Holy Scriptures. So in Pakistan, they are, they are not true Muslims. In Afghanistan, they're not I true Muslims. Boko Haram is not true Muslim. Al-Shabaab is not true Muslim. Hamas is not true. Who is the true Muslim? Please tell me. Who is the true Muslim? Maybe it's better not to say who is true and who is not true. Who is hateful, violent, yeah. and probably um, violating their own scriptures 
are the violent extremists called ISIS, called Al Qaeda, called Boko Haram. But they are following These the scripture. These are horrible, hateful. But they are following the scripture. But they ISIS is following the Quran. Of the letter by letter. You, do you, do you know that there are Catholics? Did you know that there's Catholics and Protestants in the U.S. that pick scriptures out of the Old Testament that tell them to pick up a gun and go and murder abortion doctors, and they do it. There is, there is no testimony in the New Testament anybody, or the Old Testament. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you cannot sure find is. a is single Jeremiah, anywhere Jeremiah? in the Bible that incites a Christian or a Jew to kill a non-Christian and a non-Jew. Nowhere. You know what? I will give you 110 what? verses in the Quran inciting the followers of Muhammad to kill all those who are not Muslims. I agree with you that, that there Huge are difference. more verses in the Quran, but there are also verses in the Old Testament. And uh, Christians but I said, have used the ones them. in the Old Testament do not incite the followers of Jesus or the followers of Moses to kill people who are not Muslim. But in Islam, okay, in the up, Quran, up, 110 up, verses. Look up. Look up what? Um, look up an extremist group that follows. Um, uh, a man but I don't need to look up an extremist group. I'm looking no, up at the Bible. No. Wait a minute. I am looking up no, the Bible. No, no, if the Bible no, says listen, it, listen, I agree with you. Please listen, to, please listen to me, because then you will agree with me. The army of God quotes the Bible, and the Bible verses are the true Bible verses, because you can find them in the Bible, and it twists the Bible to tell people that they should go kill abortion doctors and that they should bomb abortion okay. clinics. And thank God, okay. that's a very small okay. problem in my country. And in your country, it's a huge problem. The people have twisted the scriptures. Yep. But twisting scripture doesn't mean that the entire religion is evil. Mm -hmm. And okay. if you said to me, because of this crazy army of God people, all Christians believe a certain way, I would be very insulted. And in behalf of 99.9% no, Right, you know it's not true, and I speak. know that uh, extremists okay, who, who yeah. cherry pick certain uh, verses and say all these violent verses are the true Islam, I think they're false. I mean, the verses themselves are true, but they they twist them in a way that they say this is only what you're supposed to do instead of balancing it with the rest of what's in the Quran. And any religion Did you know that there are verses in the Quran which are conciliatory? That are what? There are verses in the Quran which are conciliatory. It says there is no compulsion in religion. It says you have your religion, I have my own. It says this. Yes. Things. But did you know that these yes, are abrogated, that. that is overruled? They are made null and void? By the later verses, there is a dogma in Islam. It's called al-Nasikh wal-Mansukh abrogating and abrogated verses, which means the verses that were revealed to Muhammad in later in life overrule, make null and void all the earlier verses. Did you know that? Yes, I do. This is not and, my and, interpretation. Well, this is called Nasikh wal This is Islamic theology. Okay, but explain to me not, if what you're saying, if what you're saying is true, explain to me how yeah. I could be sitting with a Salafi imam from your country, an Iraqi, who's willing to travel into a war zone. His family's in Ramadi, and uh, no, his family was in uh, uh, Baghdad, and uh, 
uh, he was scared to death that they were going to be killed because he left Al-Qaeda and worked with us and and fought against Al-Qaeda. Okay, you're going to say he's Takiya. He's not Takiya. He's a total, 100% genuine and using the verses from the Quran to fight against um, extremism. So how do you explain him? How do you explain uh, okay. the other three that were with us, the other 20 that were with us? How do you explain my colleague who's sitting with me from Turkey working on this uh, ISIS defectors project? All of these people are devout believers. Some of them are very educated, much more educated than yourself in the Quran. How do you explain that? Well, can I ask you a simple question? Uh, in chapter yes. 9, verse 29, Tawbah, it's, an, it's in the Quran, you can Google it while I talk to you. Chapter 9, verse 29, it says in English translation, I can give it to you in Arabic. It says, fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which has been forbidden by Allah and his apostle Muhammad, nor acknowledge the religion of truth Islam, even if they are of the people of the book, Christians and Jews, until they pay the jizya with willing submission and feel themselves humiliated. This is not my word. This is in the Quran. And you're telling me that is not acceptable, that's not in the Quran? How is that possible? No, How I didn't possible? tell you it's not. A, no, I told you, you can cherry so, pick in any scripture. I can cherry pick from the Old Testament. No, 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 how can you reinterpret it? No, no, please, please. Reinterpret it for me, please. Come on, it's a reinterpreted to me. It's not ambiguous. You're picking, it you're picking you. one verse. You're picking one verse. No, no, I can pick 110. I can pick 110 okay. of them. Good for you. But 110 doesn't make the whole Quran. So if you take things out of context and you oh, emphasize see, only I see, violence. I see, I see. Yes, I you see, do see. I see. I see. And, no, no, and, no, no, because you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not I, going to be I, able I to convince you. Obviously. Any any Christian that you knows the Bible can, can yes I can. You I cannot can find a single verse I, in the Bible that incites the really? people who are not Christians and Jews to kill who, those who are not Christian and Jews. It doesn't exist. But I can I mean, find verses in the Bible that incite for violence and tell you to wipe out entire. Nowhere can you can find, find it in verses. the Bible. But I just I just told you you can't find it. If you find it, please tell me which one it is. They Listen don't exist. Of Jeremiah. Look up the army of God and you'll find plenty of quotes that they use. I'm not interested in the army of God. I'm not interested well, in the army of God. I'm interested you, in you the tell me, You tell me to tell you and I'm telling you where you can find it. Google it. And Fine. Find okay. It. Okay. Let me tell you something else. In Hadith, you know what Hadith is? Yes, I do. I mean, you're with Muslims. You know what Hadith is? <laughs> I do know. The Hadith is the traditions of Muhammad. Yep. Yes, yes okay. I know. Hadith is the traditions about Muhammad. In Sahih al-Bukhari, which is one of the foremost books on Islam, yes. Sahih al-Bukhari Hadith 4.50 says, Muhammad said, a single endeavor of fighting in Allah's cause, qital fi sabilullah, jihad, is better than the world and whatever is in it. You're telling me this is wrong? No. Muhammad I'm said, you, you can, in Muslim uh, Hadith, Muhammad said, I love that I should be killed in Allah's cause, jihad, then to be resurrected and brought back to life to fight again and die in jihad. This is what ISIS is doing. This is what Al-Shabaab is doing. And you're telling me they, are, they don't know the Quran? 
I'm telling you that any group can cherry pick from their scriptures if there are some scriptures that advocate violence, which the Bible also has. But the Quran is full of violence. The Quran is full of violence. So it's easier. So it's easier to cherry pick from the Quran than from the Bible. I will acknowledge that. But you can cherry pick, and then you can form an extremist group, and you can say, "Look what your religion tells you to do." But that doesn't mean that all Muslims interpret the Quran the way that you are claiming. And really, you're almost working for them by saying that because. I'm working for them. I've been spending 30 years of my life enlightening people. about the danger, the greatest danger to human civilization in the 21st century is Islam and Muslims. Why? Because they are fundamentalists. Why are they mass- massacring okay, and killing there, Christians there, there in Syria? No, but, but in Syria they're killing Christians. In Egypt they're killing Christians. In every Muslim country they're killing Christians. They're telling me all these countries, they don't know what the Quran is about. Could I, could, I, could I comment on what you said? Because You said it yourself. Of course, of course. Because they are because they are fundamentalists, and every religion has a fundamentalist element. And usually, the fundamentalists are the extremists and the ones that are willing to take their scriptures extremely literally and act on them. And yes, fundamentalists, not all of them, but some of them can be very dangerous. ISIS, Al Shabaab, Boko Haram, Al Qaeda are horrible groups. We should be fighting them. We should oh. be condemning them. We should be saying that. Uh-huh. Well, you want to say that they're the true Islam? I totally disagree with you. They're one interpretation mean, of Islam, uh, which is well, 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 disgusting. You mean Kuwait and Qatar and Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and Afghanistan? The Muslims there are nice people. They're not inciting to kill. Is that what you're telling me? Well, you just said I'm telling me. But these are countries. They are Islamic countries. Well, you have Iran. Because the Islamic Republic of Iran. Should Should I condemn you because you're Iraqi? Should I say all Iraqis are exactly the same? No, condemn me for what? I would never do that. No, no, condemn me for what? You're a nice guy. I am a nice guy. You condemn. Yeah, and you and you take a whole group of people and lump them together. I would never do that. I am not lumping them together. They are together. They are all Muslims. They fo- oh, not at all. They follow Sharia. Sharia is hate-mongering, war-mongering, misogynist, racist. All Iraqis are the same. And if they are evil, if ISIS is evil, they're Iraqis. So you are evil, Alpha. How does it feel? Uh-huh. Not very nice, right? No, no, I feel very good. I'm very comfortable with what you're saying. Because it doesn't really? make sense to me. <laughs> I love that. Really?
characteristics because you don't know. And you can certainly find millions of counterexamples of Muslims who are good, loving, uh, good citizens, good parents, uh, <laughs> good colleagues. And how dare you say that they're all evil because some Muslims are terribly evil. Not some Muslim. What is some Muslim? Is it 1%? Is it 0.1%? Is it, by the way, I'm using your logic, in Nazi Germany, not all Germans, wait a minute, not all Germans were Nazis. 5%? But not all Germans were Nazis. Did it make any difference? In communist Russia, not all Russians were communist. Did it make any difference? That's the right. answer is no. That's right. Really? So I the answer, it is irrelevant if they are not. It is irrelevant. The majority is irrelevant. No, no, but it no. makes no difference. Well, then, then, then by your logic, you're an evil person because um, uh, the Iraqis... I don't mind being evil. Crisis. No, no, I, honestly, I don't mind <laughs> being an should. evil person. You should. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. Well, you're very charming. I don't mind being an evil person. person if I am fighting another evil which is mm. greater than mine. No, I'm not that evil. Well, I'm fighting okay, well, a greater I don't evil. I'm fighting evil with evil. I don't fight evil with evil. Ah, okay, okay. And and you will think you will succeed. We ha you have in America today, as I'm speaking to you, a Muslim traitor in chief called Barack Hussein Obama. Everything he oh has done God. in seven years, <laughs> everything he has done in seven years was promote Islam. Okay. Am I wrong? Well, if I uh, if I go now, yes, you are wrong. But I had a very. Um, uh, entertaining time listening to you, and uh, I think you're completely full of it. And uh, God bless your country. I hope that it is uh, uh, freed from these horrible people soon. We've uh, got. Uh, if you don't mind the ziggy. I'm going to sign off. No problem. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, Doctor Speckard. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you much. Have yourself a wonderful day. We're going to take a time out. When we, when we come back, we're going to keep chatting about uh, ISIS and everything else. We'll be back with more IQL Rizzoli. We're back on the other side. We have a romantic dinner under town's Christmas tree. Check out boots at, let's say, Bryant Park or Union Square while drinking hot apple cider, or even participating in holiday parades. So there are many possibilities around around holidays, especially around Christmas time. We've got a great guest with us today. Anita Kovic joins us here in our broadcast. Uh, we're talking about uh, holiday get-togethers, and when you, when you meet someone online, what is the, the next best step? In the United States, many people suggest not talking about religion or politics, how do you feel about this statement when two people are meeting in person for the very first time, especially during the holidays? In the sense of walking, uh, talking about politics and religion? Was that yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, be, because because uh, a, a lot of folks say, uh, you know, in, in the U.S., many people suggest not talking religion or politics. How do you feel about the statement when two people are meeting in person for the very first time, especially during the holiday season? Well, I feel that nothing bad in, in talking about politics and religion. I believe that all of us, we should be uh, straight up with our beliefs, you know, give a hats up, be truthful, honest, because... When we are talking politics or, uh, or religion views, beliefs, you're talking about what constitutes you, 
uh, your values as a human being and how you see the world. And nowadays, all of these beliefs are easily communicated, um, especially through, through the online dating sites, uh, where you can learn about different cultures or you learn about uh, their religion as well. So I do believe, I would like to mention that um, key, for example, to international dating nowadays is to embrace the fact that you don't know everything. And when communicating with those from another country, let's say, you should do a little research on their culture <laughs> and learn more. Educate yourself. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone talking a little about some of the six tips for successful dating during the holiday season. After meeting online, Anita Kovic with us today. She is a communication specialist for AnastasiaDate.com and AsianDate.com, and she's made herself available today to give us these tips and talk a little bit about some of the different things. Um, th there are some date activities you are recommending that sound like uh, that, that they are something you do with children. What, what are some of the reasons suggesting some of these first date ideas, for instance, volunteering, um, building a gingerbread house together, seeing the lights together, all these different things. So, tell me about this. Yes, I do believe that all of those are very fun, such as um, creating a snowman or, um, you know, sitting in Santa's lap uh, or just making silly photos while, while making a snow angel. Why... I do believe that because I think it helps, especially when meeting someone for the first time. Uh, it helps uh, dating look less scary or the first date uh, feel least, less intimidating in a sense. And it helps definitely to break attention. It is the fabulous... Uh Fabulous, fabulous Anita Kovic with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone talking about the six tips for successful dating during the online holiday season. Uh, you Basically, you would get online, you, you would meet someone, and then you're going to be meeting up with them for the very first time or meeting up with them during the holidays. Um, is there an age limit, basically, to sit on Santa's lap? Do, 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 you, do, you, do you like this date idea? Why do you like this so much? I don't think there's an li age limit. Because no, because I've sat on Santa's lap before, Anita. But no go ahead. <laughs> That's the only border we set for ourselves or not. So if you want to be childish and silly and, and fun, do it, no matter what age you are. And it may help, especially on a first date. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, Anita Kovic with us today. She joins us live. Anastasia Date and Asian Date are the leading international dating services facilitating exciting and romantic companionship between men and women all over the world. They have 20 million international users while attracting more than 80 million visitors annually, translating into over 1.5 million conversations exchanged online daily. It was founded in 1993. Anastasia Date and Asian Date are committed to member safety, customer satisfaction, the online pursuit of innovation. Anastasia Date Dot com and AsianDate.com have representation in every country it touches, providing a high level of customer service to a worldwide clientele. We've got Anita Kovic with us today here on the broadcast. Um, with with these dating sites, uh, kind of compare and contrast uh, the two sites for us so, so people know what they're getting into when they head over to the websites. 
well, Anastasia date and Asian date, as you already said, have been a trustworthy international online dating site since 1993, which basically connects members, members from United States with members from Europe, which is AnastasiaDay.com, and members from Asia. I would say nowadays the world is getting smaller with all of the advancements in technology and even language barrier disappeared. So international dating sites are actually helping you to connect across all demographics and possibly find your dream companion who share your values. And it definitely increases your chances of finding the one. We've got a great guest with us today. Anita Kovic joins us here on the broadcast. And uh, she is a communication specialist for AnastasiaDate.com and AsianDate.com. And uh, before we let you go, my friend, uh, you, you mentioned the thing about the, the gen- building the gingerbread house, talking a little bit about religion and spirituality, location-based dates. Tell me a little bit about this volunteer aspect. Uh, yes, that could be very beneficial because if you decide to meet up with someone uh, by volunteering and helping out a community or um, any kind of charity activity, it can make a certain bound between you and that person. But of course, that's only if you have the same interest in that. But that's easily found nowadays, especially with international dating. As I said, more chances to find person like that. <laughs> We've got a great guest with us today. Anita Kovic joins us. And, uh, Anita, have yourself a wonderful holiday. Thanks for making time for us today on a busy, busy Monday. And uh, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Definitely. Appreciate it. Anita Kovic with us today here on our broadcast, Coast to Coast and Boda to Boda on the World Famous Cheeky Check Wire Radio Program. We've got more coming up starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. This is the Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. Judy Shepard Missit was a professional dancer. Then she quit and became a dance instructor. She was very good at it, but when she lost clients, she couldn't figure out why. Then Judy had one of those aha moments. She realized that her dancing clients weren't there to learn how to dance. Most of them just wanted a way to keep in shape and have the figure of a dancer. So what did she do? It was easy. Still use dancing as a tool, but just up the pace a little, and voila, she started packing the place. Then came another aha moment. Her product was so good, she started franchising and expanded at a frenetic pace. Judy didn't follow the normal business rules by getting a loan or having a 100-page plan. She did it all from instinct and stuck to her values. Now, Jazzercise has over 7,000 locations worldwide. Great story, but it couldn't happen without that aha moment. Back to the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show on the network. Welcome back to our big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. Of course, live as live can get from the KJG Radio Studios in Edison, Kansas, Monday through Friday, 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 PM Mountain Standard, and of course, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com. Our brand new free droid app is available. 
in the Apple Store and Android Store. Also check out JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7, replay, and of course exclusive news and programming information. Selected editions will be available on iHeartRadio and 50-plus AM FM stations in the big network. And our telephone number is 267-22-JIGGY. On-demand, commercial-free podcast. $5 a month from our website. It's red-linked on the homepage at JiggyJaguar.com. Before we get into our next guest here on our broadcast, let's tell you about one of our fantastic brand-new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. This is an amazing, amazing new marketing partner. Is your life savings account empty? Have you ever thought about investing but can't afford the minimum deposit? Do you want to help the environment? With the Future Card, you can now have that opportunity to be the first in a breakthrough new investing movement. An incredible winning solution for responsible investing by way of our unique Visa gift card. Clients simply add funds and in turn, we invest those funds in environmentally and socially responsible companies. We make our clients money while at the same time making our planet a better place for all. Need some fast cash? Withdraw your funds or use your future card anywhere Visa is accepted, even at an ATM. Right now, we're giving them away on Indiegogo.com. You also have the chance to win one or two Tesla electric cards. Check it out now at Indiegogo.com. Slash projects slash the dash future dash card. That's I N D I E G O G O dot com. Search the future card and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. We've got a great guest with us today. Tammy joins us live. We're going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. Then we'll talk a little bit about why she's here and uh, get a little bit of background on her. So, Tammy, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself. My name is Dr. Tammy Balashesti. I am a double Ph.D. holistic life counselor. I write self-help books to support people in manifesting the love of their life from the inside out and manifest prosperity from the inside out. Uh, I live in Idaho. I have a nonprofit. I am an artist. I uh, have a radio show on Empower Radio called Journey to Center. So is, is that enough for you? Yeah. Hey, that works. That works. Now, uh, you, you've done a lot of things, as you just mentioned there. You used to be in the beauty and entertainment industry. Now you are the author of self-help books. You have two PhDs with a counseling practice. You have a radio program. You've got incredible spiritual leaders uh, on the program. You are one of the incredible spiritual leaders of our time. It seems like uh, just radical departure from your other careers. How did this happen? Well, it wasn't fun, I have to tell you that. Um, I manifested the life of my dreams from my ego perspective. I'm from a small town in Kansas and uh, decided early on that I was going to be a princess and I was going to move to Los Angeles and I was going to be involved with an actor. And uh, in my mid-20s, that was what was going on. I ended up meeting a a well-known celebrity actor, fell madly in love. We had a, a wonderful love affair for a year and then it disintegrated and then it became a nightmare from a dream to a nightmare. When he kicked me to the curb for a younger, blonder, hotter uh, girl, I didn't know what to do with myself. I I went from the top of the mountain to the trenches. Um, And so I prayed. And I really thought, there's no reason for me to be here anymore. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. There's nothing I can contribute. And what I really got in that moment, and they say pain is the universal great awakener. That was the case for me. So I started having these authentic conversations with the universe, which I'd never really done before. 
and I got, if I could figure my way out of this, that someday I could light the way for others that were hurting to the same degree. And that was a really compelling notion. It never occurred to me that maybe I could alleviate suffering or, or help anyone in any way. I thought it was all about designer bags and being on the red carpet and, you know, being on the front of magazines and on television. Although it wasn't fulfilling, I thought that was where it was supposed to be. But I found out soon thereafter that God had a very different plan for me than I had for myself. So I started listening to that still small voice within it. It ushered me a very, very different direction than uh, what my mind and uh, brain wanted me to go on. It was a very different path. And one step led to another. I started studying um, hypnosis and cranial sacral polarity balancing. I found out about a psychology program and then a spiritual psychology program and then a metaphysical program. And I like this saying, you take a step to God, he takes ten to you. Yes. I felt like that was really what was happening. I was really being led and guided with a lot of divine support, interventions, miracles, synchronicity, uh, God winks, and it, it brought me into this whole new world. And I do believe there's such thing as job, career, and life purpose. I've had jobs. I've had careers. This is definitely my life, my life's purpose. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Dr. Tammy joins us here on the line. You are um, basically an, a sacred art facilitator and a Mandela artist. What does this mean exactly? Well, I do a couple of different types of artwork. I do art for healing, which is really putting colors to emotion, to answer questions with colors. So just now, Mr. Lowe, I'm going to ask you <laughs> close your eyes and consider what is the color of anger? Wow. I would say red. Okay, and that's very interesting. Most people get either red or black. From there, it's a complete, you know, it's, 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 it's random, it's, it's a complete departure, nobody's the same. So what's the color of love? Uh, pink. Lovely. What's the color of happiness? Uh, well, for me, it would be black, but for most people, I would say, like, green or yellow or one of those damn colors. Yeah, and what about uh, depression? Uh, brown. Okay. So right now we're kind of putting colors to emotions. From there, what I would do if you were in a classroom with me, I would start to ask you questions, and you would answer just with colors and abstract shapes, with sponges and Q-tips, and, and it starts to tell a story. It starts to move the energy. And so that is a really extraordinary course that I, I do with people that are struggling with health issues, relationship issues, prosperity issues really revelatory and it brings a lot of things up from the subconscious realm uh beyond that class i like to do um, mandala workshops and mandala means sacred circle in sanskrit it's most closely associated with like uh, the buddhist monks and they do the sand mandalas you see the hindu yantras um, but they're prevalent in every continent every culture every spiritual tradition you think of the rose windows or halos with Christianity, uh, the Star of David with Judaism, the mosques have beautiful, beautiful mandalas. So you see them everywhere. You also see them in cave drawings going back 50,000 years. Um, you see them in, in every hemisphere. Every, everybody is into the sacred circle, whether they know it or not. If you look at um, nature, flowers, oranges, the trees, uh, ladybugs, spiders, snowflakes, you know, it, it's the most prevalent pattern on earth, land or sea. 
So what I do with the mandala is um, start the class similarly. I just ask your heart or higher self to reveal the most powerful color for you to sit in and bask with right now. And then I'll have you paint the whole canvas that color. And I have a, a series of different um, mandala shapes for people to choose. And I ask their mind to reveal to them a pattern for the most healing aspect of their life. So say you want to heal a relationship. What is your intention here? Do you want to manifest more money? What is it you want? Do you want more vibrant health? And now we ask your heart or higher self to reveal the perfect healing symbol for that intention. And some people just get a, a, a little beginning of a start. Some people will know the whole thing. So I will support them in starting to create this mandala template on their canvas. Fantastic. It's just a one-step-at-a-time process, one, one step at a time. And by the time people are done, they're like, I can't believe I did that. I said, it, you didn't. It was a collaborative process. It was uh, God doing it through you. So that is sacred art. It's not done from the mind. It's not about technique and fine art. It's about intuition tapping into the soul self and allowing that to uh, be revealed through this very simple one-step-at-a-time process. Very interesting stuff. We've got Dr. Tammy with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast. Where can people go to see your art? Come to my website, TammyBPhD.com, T-A-M-M-I-B-P-H-D.com, and I have a lot of stuff going on there. It's a free program that uh, is a uh, 30-page e-book with guided meditations and I've got um, my journey to center is my site where my all my artwork is. Uh, I've got a lot of content, a lot of information. I've got a lot of papers and uh, articles about the mandala and uh, sacred art and so much more. So, yeah, TammyBPhD.com. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone. Why is the subtitle of both your books From the Inside Out? I get that a lot, and it's a very good question. Um I will, I will start with saying what Buddha has mentioned. Outer reality is a reflection of inner reality. So what that means is when we look at our life, we can get mad at the out there, but really it's a mirror for our inner thoughts and beliefs and our subconscious programming. So we can get out and it's sort of like if you look in a mirror and you don't like what you see. You can get mad at the mirror and you can get a bunch of uh, crayons or magic markers and you can draw all over the mirror and you get mad at it and get angry at it. But it doesn't really change reflection that much, right? It's when we take responsibility for ourselves that that image in the mirror miraculously changes. So say, for instance, you go to the gym, you start making healthier dietary choices. A month later, you look in the mirror and, wow, it looks so different. Well, the mirror of our life responds in a very similar way. We have to take responsibility for our thoughts and our beliefs, our inner programming, in order for the reflection of our life to change. So rather than working from the outside in, which is the hard work, pushing, pressing, um, being ambitious, being angry, uh, feeling entitled, what we do instead is take responsibility for our inner workings through guided meditations, working with affirmations, taking responsibility with uh, nobody else being the problem. It's like it's just a reflection. So when you say, well, that person really makes me angry, well, what's that bringing up for you? We go deeper. We don't stop at the surface. We go deeper, and we unravel it from the bottom up. And when we do, things around us shift. We get the God wings. We get the synchronicity. We get the support. We get the miracles. We get the inspired um, ideas and, and people showing up just like 
randomly supporting you with, with your dreams and reflecting your new thoughts and beliefs back to you. And I wasn't sure I believed in this stuff, and we all have to be our own spiritual scientists. But the more I stepped into it and the more I explored and experimented with it, the better my life got. So I am indeed a believer of living from the inside out for many, many reasons. I've got the relationship of my dreams. I've got the career of my dreams. I've, I'm making a difference, doing what I love. And so I'm, I'm a proponent of it, and I want to help as many people as I can get to the space if it resonates for them. Guest with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone. I know you're an advocate of meditation guided meditation, and working with the subconscious mind, why do you think these practices are so important? So important, so important, because this is what we were speaking of. We have to take responsibility for the outer real, inner reality so the outer reality can transform around that in ways that we prefer. So say, for instance, you are um, a little kid, and you are in your high chair, and your parents are fighting, and you're eating your Cheerios, and you go into this like fear thing. What they're doing is downloading content onto essentially your iPod. So by the time we grow up, we've got a lot of content on our iPod. Not all of it is the stuff that we really want to keep replaying in our adult lives. But we don't know how to do it any different. What guided meditations do is supports us into going to these deeper um, theta, alpha, delta realms, taking out that old content that's not really supporting us and uploading new content. So when we're very young from birth and probably before to about two, we're in this deep delta brainwave state. And the only time we experience that as adults is when we're in that deep dreamless sleep. We have no conscious recollection of what had happened. Uh, at about two years old, we start coming out into the theta, and that's when we're highly creative, life is fun, you know, um, it, it's a beautiful, creative, imaginary place, magical, magical, magical place to be. Then we start coming into... Um, the fully awake uh, alpha state when we are in puberty. So uh, by then we're pretty much programmed. We're pretty much set. So if we want to reprogram, we have to go back down into the delta, theta, alpha states. And the guided meditations are the most pleasant way I know of reprogramming and uploading the content that we really, really want for love, for prosperity, for vibrant health, or whatever it is we really want. Slowing down the monkey mind the beta brainwave state, which is very important. We need it when we're, you know, balancing our checkbook or doing our taxes or maybe working on our radio shows. <laughs> we got to pay attention. But um, stress and anxiety also come from being in that beta brainwave state too much. So then we meditate and we can relax the monkey mind and we go deeper into that stillness and that peace within. The guided meditations also take us to those deeper brainwave states which is where real healing occurs. That's why we need to sleep. It's where we are rejuvenated, where we are healed. It's uh, stress relief. So it's, it's so important. It's so helpful. And, you know, when I meditate, when I take responsibility to go to those quiet places in my heart and mind, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within, my life works. As soon as I forget to do it, I am soon going off the rails. And so I don't get out of bed without meditating every day at this point because it just... Uh, Life doesn't feel very good when I don't. So I am a high, um, I'm a big fan and I'm a big proponent. I recommend it to anybody who will listen. Just take five minutes in the morning. Course in Miracles will say five minutes in the morning spent with God will assure that he's in charge of your thoughts for the rest of the day. So it's not a huge commitment. It's, you know, five minutes. Who doesn't have that? And then it'll seem like you have more time. So there's many, many reasons to meditate and to do guided meditation. 
We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone talking a little bit about her books and her background. Uh, you say there are two ways to live our lives. What are those two ways? From the outside in or the inside out, another way of looking at this is victim or empowered. If we're living from the outside in, we're focused on the out there. I need the job. I need the relationship. I, I need this. I have to have that. That is a victim perspective. Or if we're angry about the out there, oh, it's not fair, everybody else gets what they want, and I can't have what I want. It's victim. So life doesn't feel very good from that place. You know, it's like not safe. Built on a foundation of not enoughness and fear. So the other way to live is empowered. It's when we can take responsibility for the reflection in the mirror, the out there. It's when we can work with the inner realm, the kingdom of heaven is within. It's when we can work with our own subconscious mind and uh, superconscious mind, take responsibility for our connection with that something greater. And that is a love-based way of being. You know, a lot of people, I think, when um, we're in pain, we want to run away from that pain. And we can do that through a lot of different avenues, through addiction, through shopping, through uh, alcohol or drugs, or I was a relationship addict. I was a love addict. That was my drug of choice. It was a way of distracting myself from myself. So most people are either running away from themselves well, most people are running away from themselves. Some of us run towards ourselves when the out there isn't working any longer. And that's when we can come back to center. You know, my, my website, Journey to Center, is about being aligned with your soul self, being in that solid ground within yourself, living in the eye of the storm where you can observe the chaos, but it doesn't beat you up. You're in your equanimity about it. You're in your peace about it. And you see it as temporary. You see it as learning opportunities. And, uh, again, from my perspective, living, I've lived from both perspectives, uh, from the inside out, and empowered is a far more preferred way of being. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live, talking a little bit about her books and herself as well. Uh, how important is forgiveness? Oh, yeah, that's a fun subject. Very important if you want to live the life of your dreams. So if there's somebody you're angry at or judging or that you feel is responsible for the, the awful state of your life, it's sort of like having a big, toxic garbage bag of debris that you're carrying around with you. And there's flies buzzing around, and it doesn't smell very good, and you're thinking it's somebody else's fault. Well, we all have the ability and capacity to set down that, that garbage bag and get free of it. And that is done through the process and power of forgiveness. And I'm not saying it's easy. You know, it wasn't easy for me. Uh, three or four years after my fiancé dumped me unceremoniously for this hot girl, I was still hurt. I was still angry. I was still telling my sad story, and I could get a lot of sympathy. I could get a lot of pity. It was a great story. And it wasn't making me feel good, but, you know, I was getting a lot of attention for it. And I did. I felt truly victimized. It was awful. So um, I was meditating and praying about it one day. Why can't I seem to make anything happen? Why can't I move forward in my life? Why can't I manifest money in the life of my dreams? What I got so clearly was because you keep turning around looking at the past and complaining about the past. You can't move forward if you're always looking backwards. So I really got I was going to have to stop telling my story, and I was going to have to forgive him. And I really fought with that for a little while, but I, I finally understood until I got I got clear with the fact that I needed to forgive him and let that go. I wasn't going to move forward. So it was one of those things I had to fake it until I made it. 
And so what I did, every time he would drop into my brain or every time I would be having a conversation with somebody and I felt compelled to go back to that story, I would just inwardly say, God bless you on your path. God bless me on mine. I love you. I forgive you. I am now free. And that kind of loosened the hold. It started to kind of like soften the anger. And as that happened, it was pretty miraculous. Other opportunities started showing up. I got an opportunity to be a spokesmodel for a really great company. I started making some good money again. Um, I decided to go back to school. The tuition for that just showed up. And I don't think any of this could have happened had I not set down that big toxic garbage bag that I've been lugging around for years. So, yeah, forgiveness uh, is so important. And, and forgiving ourselves, wow, that's, I think a lot of people don't forgive others because they don't want to have to look in the mirror and finally come face-to-face -face with their own um, indiscretions and shameful things that they feel guilty about. So forgiveness of others, forgiveness of ourselves, it's vital if we want to ascend. It's vital if we want to increase our vibration. It's vital if we want to experience heaven on earth. We've got a great guest with us today. Dr. Tammy joins us. How are your books and what you teach different from everything else out there? Well, again, it's uh, really about taking personal responsibility in every area of your life. Both my books are formatted in a way where they've got, they're broken down into chapters. For instance, Chapter 7 in my book, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out, is all about forgiveness. It tells my story, stories of clients I've worked with, the principles from spiritual masters and others, and then there are exercises at the very end to start to implement if you want to start claiming forgiveness for yourself in your life. I also have guided meditations that go along with these chapters. I have a forgiveness meditation on my website, Forgiveness of Self and Others. Um, I have a chapter about people pleasing and boundaries. I have a guided meditation that goes along with that. So each chapter is um, a very important healing principle, and then each chapter has wonderful exercises at the end so that you can implement and start to make this story your own if you want it. So, uh, again, I think it's unique in that it's, it's about empowering you from the inside out, giving you stories, giving you examples, giving you the tools, giving you the exercises, giving you the guided meditation so that you can start to rewire yourself for true love, for sustained prosperity, for the life of your dreams from the inside out. And it is um, what I'm told by readers. It's, it's a very different way of presenting the material in a very empowered way um, than anything else they've experienced and um, it was funny because I was listening to your um, uh, commercial before our thing it's like about the jazzercise woman what a great story yes for me, that is people are like this is a wonderful marketing thing it wasn't a marketing thing I would meditate and listen to what spirit would have me do and years ago I was like what do I do he said right I wasn't a writer I was an actress I was a model I was a hairdresser I was a stylist I've done a lot of things, but writing was not one of them. But I listened to that still small voice within, and it kept prompting me to write. And then I finally was like, write what? Write about what you know. I don't know anything. Well, you know how you went from a pattern of dysfunctional relationships to one that works? Well, I do know that. Well, start writing. So Wait. I started carrying a notebook around me, and when I would have an inspired idea, I would write it down. I'd sleep with it next to me, and I'd write down ideas for chapter titles, and, and then I would kind of fill them out. And it felt like... Kind of like the mandala, it was being written through me. I was just saying yes to the process. It took me four years, it wasn't easy, 
but, you know, it's sort of like uh, you crawl before you walk, before you run, before you fly. I was eating an elephant one bite at a time. I was doing something I'd never done. But all the pieces of the puzzle showed up. A divinely sanctified editor showed up. Somebody who could do the artwork showed up. It all showed up right on time. And so uh, four years later, I had a book. And then I wrote my second book, and it just I kept listening to the still small voice within that continues to guide me to this day. And people think I'm brilliant. I'm like, it, it's not me. <laughs> but I believe the same energy that moves the planets around the sun can support us and take care of us in our lives if we take care of that relationship. So that is, again, my number one uh, priority and intention in this life is to really connect with that something greater and strengthen that relationship so that we're in a co-creative process and the universe, God, spirit, source can express through me to bring as much healing into the world so that I can help as many people as I can like themselves, love themselves, and line up with their soul self. Dr. Tammy joins us today. She's the author of Manifesting Love from the Inside Out and Manifesting Prosperity from the Inside Out. She's an ordained minister, holds a Ph.D. in Holistic Life Counseling and second Ph.D. in Metaphysical Science. She's the author, artist, art for healing instructor as well, the Mandela facilitator and also certified hypnotherapist and uh, she holds a ton of degrees in uh, different programs we're going to have a link to all the books on our website at cheekycheckwire.com but uh, let's let's move into the uh, the the book here uh, manifesting love from the inside out you say relationships are like mirrors can you tell me more Yes, again, if we, um, we attract people that reflect our beliefs about ourselves back to ourselves. So I, I have something I like to call the third, third, third theory. A third of the people in the world are going to love you. A third are going to be indifferent. A third are going to hate you. So if you love yourself, you will attract and be attracted to people who treat you really well, who respect you, and who love you. It's going to be a fit for your environment. If you're on the fence about yourself, you're going to attract people that you have to really try to hard, hard to um, convince that you're okay, that you're awesome. You're going to find yourself jumping through hoops for crumbs. If you hate yourself, you're going to be attracted to people who are abusive, who are horrible to you. And a lot of people think it's the out there. And, again, you can get a lot of people to um, agree with you. Oh, that's a bad person. He's, he's heinous. He's horrible. He's evil. He's, you know, whatever. He's got psychological issues. Um, But the real problem, again, is our relationship with ourselves. So I remember years in this relationship with my ex-fiance, and he was getting to the point of not being very kind. We'll say that. I meditated and inwardly went, why am I always abandoned and cheated on and abused? Because you abandon, cheat on, and abuse yourself. And, And that didn't make a lot of sense to me at that point. That makes perfect sense. Later I went back in, God, how do I manifest a man who loves, adores, cherishes, and respects me? Well, love, adore, cherish, and respect yourself. And because I didn't, my natural inclination was like, oh, no, I'll do anything but that. That sounded so disgusting to me. But I went, you know, is there another way? I will do anything. Please don't make me do that. And what I got was, if you don't do that, you will be playing games the rest of your life. It's always going to be a reach and withdraw. It's always going to be drama. It's always going to be a, a problem with the out there. It's going to be a very dysfunctional dance. Because, again, it's a reflection of our inner relationship with ourselves. So 
I finally committed to coming into a loving, respectful relationship with myself. I didn't know what that meant, but I was willing to explore that and lean into that and ask for support around it. And today I can uh, honestly say I am in a very loving, respectful, nurturing relationship with myself. I have easy affection for myself. Um, I love my inner child. That's been a big piece of the puzzle. Um, I'm entertained and amused with myself. I like me. And my husband adores me, cherishes me, respects me. My friends all do as well because I finally got to that upper echelon of the one-third where I love myself. So I, I attract those relationships that reflect my inner state back to me. If somebody's a hater, I don't slow down. I'm just like, God bless you on your path. God bless me on mine. You know, It's a planet of free will and choice. Everything's allowed. But we get to choose where we hang out. And we tend to hang out in more comfortable places when we're in that really wonderful, loving, respectful relationship with ourselves. We wouldn't settle for less. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live talking a little bit about uh, her fabulous, fabulous new book, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out. You say the subconscious mind does the picking and relationships. What do you mean by this? It's unfortunate, but it's true. I know Patty Stanger says something else does the picking, but I say the subconscious mind does the picking. I don't know about you, Mr. Lobe, but have you been uh, on a date at some point in your life where you're like, oh, this person's so perfect on paper, there's just no chemistry? Yes. Yeah. doesn't feel very good, but, you know, it's like, gosh, I wish I could take a pill and make myself really like, like this person because they're, they're great and just don't really have any, you know, physical attraction or chemistry with them so that's the subconscious mind telling you that eh, this is not a fit because really what we're doing in relationships is trying to work out our unfinished business from childhood we're most of us essentially looking for hmm, the, the most challenging qualities of our caretakers our parents in another human being so that we can do what we came here to do which is to work out our karma work out our challenges, our issues, and um, it's not a romantic notion, but it's the truth. You know, most of us want to look across the crowded room and see somebody that we're uh, really, really attracted to, and, you know, we want that dance of romance, and we want to live happily ever after. Um, It doesn't work very well, because we're not dealing with the reality of the subconscious mind, and the deeper reason we're even in relationship. So... Yeah, we, we need to work with the subconscious mind. We need to do a lot of work around that inner child if we want those relationships to last and be healthy and be supportive and be functional. Now, break, break that down a little bit more for us. So, again, say, for instance, you know, you're that child, and I'll, I'll speak of my situation. So I had a father that really wanted a son. I was a daughter. He ended up having five, so he was really annoyed and irritated. And he, um, he was kind of a, he was kind of mean. He wanted to play in a way that wasn't fun for a little girl. He'd push me too high in the swing. He'd hand me a tomato and say it was an apple, and I hated tomatoes, and I would cry. He would give me beer with foam on top saying it was uh, marshmallows. It wasn't marshmallows. It was disgusting. It made me cry. So um, my parents got a divorce when I was like eight, and then my stepfather um, kind of took the baton from there, and he was, he was a hardworking, lovely man, but um, very disconnected from his emotions as my, my father was. So as I started getting into the uh, world of puberty and wanting to date, 
I found myself being attracted to somebody who was very similar and kind of, they were emotionally abusive, not very nice. Um, teasing, was, they were narcissists, much like my parents had been. And so um, we take what is given to us and then we continue on. It's sort of like running a marathon. If somebody hands you a baton, you just keep running in that direction. So I picked a lot of men that had the same qualities as my parents. And they had great qualities, too, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of wonderful things that I got from those relationships. But we don't tend to work those things out in um, our romantic relationships or committed partnerships. We tend to work out the things that are the challenges, the negative things. So, again, the, my fiancé was just a perpetuation of that same narcissistic, tortured man energy that I had grown up with. And... Again, you know, I had to be brought to my knees to finally understand I have to do the healing work. I have to go back and rescue my inner child. And what that means really is just starting to become aware of that young one inside of you that, that may be um, hurting or depressed or didn't get their needs met, still looking outside of themselves for somebody to rescue them, which never works very well. The inner child is also the part of us that's creative and imaginative and magical, so, again, this is a big piece of the puzzle with the work that I do, both for myself and for my clients. You know, I talk about getting on solid ground. It's really taking care of that inner child and being that loving, um, conscious presence in their life that they deserved and desired when they were kids. So I feel like, yeah, I'm the parent of my inner child now, and that's really, really helped me with my boundaries. I'm her advocate. I speak up for her. I've created a safe space for her to be in the world so that she can, I think it was Wayne Dyer that said, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. I didn't know what that meant. But now that I have um, really taken care of my inner child and she's healed happy and whole and we have great boundaries, she feels safe. And so she's able to paint and play. I just started riding horses. I've leased a horse. I'm buying a horse. And that's all my inner child going, this is what brings me joy. The inner child knows what brings us joy. If we can get past the wounded inner child, get back to the divine child, the nature child, they're the ones that's going to inform us. They're intuitive and, again, the creative, they're magical. They know, they know what is fun. Kids don't have to think about what's fun. They know. They know how to play. So most of us are pretty disconnected from the divine child, but if we do the healing work around them, go back to those memories and the places inside that hurt where they were disillusioned or betrayed or confused. If we go back and say, you know what, everything's okay. It wasn't your fault. They were doing the best they can, but I'm here for, you know, how can I support you? What do you want to do? So sometimes my inner child will want to go to the park and swing on a swing or go get an ice cream cone. So I do these things and it heals something inside of me. I like the saying, we heal when we bring love and compassion to the places inside that hurt. Nobody can do it for us. We have to do it for ourselves. But generally, we need somebody to help facilitate this because we all have blind spots. So that's my intention when I work with clients or with my books, to hold space for people to really go in and check inside of themselves. Where am I hurting? What needs my attention? What needs love? How can I heal this? How can I honor this? How can I respect this? How can I rescue myself and bring all parts of myself home so that I can be healed and whole and find my authentic shape in the world? And from that place, that's when we start to really attract all the pieces of the puzzle that naturally fit around us. That's when we start to ascend in our consciousness and vibration. And that's when life can start to become more like heaven on earth. 
We've got a uh, great guest joining us today here on the telephone talking a little bit about her great book, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out. What do you mean when you say it is important to become whole? Yes, I love that you're asking that. I was starting to go in there, and then, and that's a perfect time to address this. So becoming really whole. So, again, most of us, especially if we're, you know, like me, a big fan of fairy tales, we're looking for somebody to complete us. We're looking for that happily ever after. A lot of people are like, two halves. You know, Jerry Maguire says, you complete me, and it's so romantic. And uh, it doesn't work. We need to become whole in, other, in, in, a, in, a, in a way that we can attract another whole human being. We can't be a piece of the puzzle looking for another piece, expecting somebody to complete us. So we become whole again by bringing love and compassion to all the places inside. We become whole by aligning with our higher self and um, rescuing our inner child. I think it's the vision that comes to mind is having my inner child in my lap. I'm sitting on God's lap. And if I take care of those two relationships, everything else takes care of itself. And so once I've become really whole, I know how to take care of my relationship with Source and my inner child. I attract this other whole man. We've been married for 12 years, and it's such a different relationship than anything I've ever experienced. It's just really fun and magical and supportive. And when it's not, I take care of my inner child. I step away and let him take care of himself. <laughs> so it's sort of the image of the MasterCard symbol. You know how you have two circles that overlap? So we have boundaries in the context of the relationship, and there's overlap, but there's places that don't. But even in the context of where we overlap, there's still very clear um, separation between him and me. There's no enmeshment. There's no blending and there's no blurry boundaries, which is where codependence occurs and projections occur. And it can be very, very confusing. So for me, I definitely had to step back out of the relationship arena and focus on becoming very whole, finding my authentic shape so that I could attract somebody else that was really whole. And again, when we find our shape, when we like ourselves, when we love ourselves, when we're lined up with our soul selves, I really believe the world bows to us. The path rises to meet our feet. All the pieces of the puzzle we need show up right on time. And it, life does become like a cosmic love affair. It becomes a synchronistic, magical adventure. And it's a, it's a very high vibrational state to live in. And I don't know how many people are up here with me. I mean, I tend to connect with people up here because that water finds its own level and like attracts like. And it really is... Um, a magnificent way of living. And I invite anybody who wants it to to grab a lo- rope ladder and come up here with me or have a conversation with me. And um, you have to go to my website and get my free program. You can start to learn a little bit more and implement some of the exercises and guided meditation to see if it resonates for you. I, I don't think I'm for everyone, and that's okay. <laughs> but again, I want to help as many people as I can get to this place of living heaven on earth and really loving the experience and expression of being um, their human self. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. I want everyone to enjoy it. Are you enjoying it? Oh, yes, very much so, very much so. We've got uh, a great guest with us today joining us live. Dr. Tammy is with us talking about manifesting love from the inside out. How does becoming whole help us cultivate healthy boundaries and relationships? Well, again, it's like when we know ourselves and we like ourselves and we're clear on what we want and how to nurture ourselves, we can have those conversations when um, when our boundaries are being pushed up against or violated. 
you know, for a long time, I didn't believe anger was acceptable. I was taught that that wasn't okay. Only one person in our family was allowed to carry anger, and that was my father. So I realized, I eventually learned that anger is a, means a boundary invasion has occurred. So we need to have access to that anger to know when we can say, you know what, that doesn't feel good. That's not appropriate. We're going to have to take a step back here. And if we can know our boundaries, we can have that conversation be before that boundary violation occurs and it's so intense that we have to go into rage to protect ourselves. So I like to say God throws pebble stones, bricks, and you get a brick wall. Well, a pebble can be somebody, you know, starting to take you for granted or take advantage. And if you listen to that, if you're whole, if you like yourself, you know yourself, if you're clear, if you can, like, have a conversation with your inner child, and they can say, that didn't feel very good. You can say, you know what? When you did this, it didn't feel very good. And you might find they course correct around that. But if you don't know how to speak up, if you're not clear about your boundaries and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse, this was me. I was a people pleaser. I wouldn't say anything until it was so bad. I just had to go away, and we would never speak again, which is a shame. I lost a lot of friends and relationships because I couldn't speak up with my clear boundaries. So, yeah, becoming whole, knowing our inner child, being able to speak up on our behalf, uh, respecting ourselves, cherishing ourselves, loving ourselves, make it much easier, much clearer, a lot less complex to be able to have those authentic, heartfelt conversations with love that if we don't, it could go so far off track that it's irreparable. We've got a great guest with us today. Dr. Tammy joins us here on the big program talking manifesting love from the inside out. You say it is important to find our authentic shape. What does that mean and how can we do it? Oh, yes, again, our authentic shape, it's just when we're in our bodies and we feel good, again, when we like ourselves, when we have natural affection for ourselves, when we are lined up with our soul self, when, we're, when our life is built on a foundation of love. You know, Einstein said the most important question any of us can answer for ourselves is, is the universe a safe and loving place or not? So if you don't think it is, and I didn't when I was first asked about this question, it was absolutely not. Look at all the things that have happened to me. This is... This is Look at what happens to good people. I'm a bunny rabbit, and I've been—I've got tread marks on me. No, it's not a safe place. So um, then it occurred to me, well, maybe life hasn't been showing up in a really great way because I don't think it's a safe place. So I decided to experiment with the notion that maybe I am loved, maybe I am supported. You know, I was just going to try it on for maybe a week. And if it didn't work, I was going to go back to this way of being that wasn't working very well for me. So I went, okay, God, I'm going to... I'm just going to experiment with this. I'm going to pretend you like me. I'm going to pretend you love me. I'm going to relax. And almost right away, I started to get some God winks, you know, the synchronicity, the beyond coincidental coincidences. They say it's God's way of remaining anonymous, which I guess kind of used to be the case for me. Now it's, he's not anonymous at all. I totally know it's God. But um, once we are on a foundation of love, once we start to have patience for ourselves and compassion, for ourselves, once we have affection for our inner child, once we can look in the mirror and really like that person that's looking back at us, once we can relax, wow, life really does shift. We start to kind of increase our vibration. So it's sort of like we all live in a high rise. Some people are walking around on planet Earth on the first floor, second floor, some are on the fifth floor, some are on the eleventh floor. The higher we go in our self-love number, the better our lives are going to work. So this is something I like to ask people, and you can answer for me or not. It's 
kind of an interesting uh, concept. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not at all, 10 being utterly, unconditionally, and completely, what is your love number? How much do you love yourself? I would say 7. All right, so your life is probably working pretty well, but probably some room for improvement. I was a 7 when I first asked myself that question. And life was working pretty well, because I think when, you know, back in the day when I was being kicked to the curb, I was probably a one, maybe a two, and life was not good. But as I healed and my, um, I start, my self-love numbers started to increase, life got better. So then I had the awareness, well, I'm, at a, I'm a seven. So now that that was on my radar in a conscious way, I set the intention to go to a nine and a half. And so I am there now. The seven came up for me about three or four years ago. Life was good. Life was pretty good. But now that I'm at a nine and a half, life is pretty consistently great. And um, so the higher our love number, the more authentic our shape, the more relaxed we are in our own skin, the higher we are in our vibration, then we attract those higher vibrational people and situations and opportunities. We become like a spider in the middle of a spider web. Everything we want comes to us. <laughs> we don't have to go anywhere. It just comes to us. And uh, it's a really magical way of being again the world will bow to you the path will rise to meet your feet the more you love yourself not from an ego place not from edging god out but from a godly place inviting god only that's when life becomes really supportive and really um exciting very magical We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone talking a little bit about her latest book, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out. Uh, you've got all sorts of different things in here. You, you have a chapter about manipulations versus authentic power. Can you talk about this for a bit? Yes, because I think there's, there's two different kinds of power. There's power with a small P, and there's authentic power with a capital P. The small power is really kind of a fear-based power. We're trying to manipulate, have power over others. We're living from that more ego-based place. Authentic power is the ego power. It's when we're lined up with that something greater. It's when we're um, really residing in a place of self-love and faith and trust in the universe that you are adored and supported. When we're in that place, we don't have to try to get anything from anyone outside of us. We don't have to try to control. We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to play power games. There's a lot of different power games that people can play. They can be aggressive. They can be passive aggressive. They can be a martyr. They can be a manipulator. They can be, um, um, you know, aggressive in, in quiet ways, and they can be aggressive in very loud, abusive ways. So when we're living in authentic power, we don't have to do that because we trust that something greater is on our side. So we don't have to try to get anything from anyone. We can manifest everything we want and need from that connection to that higher power. And if somebody isn't playing in your life in the way that you want, you just say, okay, I, I tend to put them in a God box. I create this God box, this subconscious mind that loves symbology and ceremony. So if somebody's not doing what I want, I just put them in the God box, give them to God and say, you know, give this back to me however you want. It could be a person, could be... Uh, a job opportunity, it could be uh, a course or a workshop I'm doing, it could be, you know, a vacation I'm going on. God, I don't know what my highest good is, but you do. And you know what the best possible outcome for this scenario with this relationship would be. So I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to relax, and you give it back to me the way you want it. I, I let go with my, um, my white-knuckled grip on things. And that's power. When we want, we have strong 
uh, will and intention, and we're going to do this on our own, and we're going to like white knuckle through it, and we're going to make it happen the way we want. That's power with a small P. When we can put in the God box and say, you decide. I'm going to give you sovereignty in my life. Because again, this energy turns spring into summer, summer into fall, fall into winter. It turns embryos into babies. It turns seeds into oak trees and, and uh, uh, vegetables and food and fruit, everything we need. I want that energy on my side. I want to collaborate with that and have them have God support me in all ways. So I, I totally trust it at this point. And it's, it's taken some time because I grew up in a family where I couldn't trust. But um, we become spiritual adults when we start to look to God as our true parent and can take care of our inner child. That, again, is what's going to help us wake up and ascend in our vibration and our consciousness and really bring us home to true self inside of us. We've got a uh, fantastic, fantastic conversation here. We are having with Dr. Tammy about her great book, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out. Where can people find more out about you, pick up the books, and uh, what's next for you as an author? Well, they can find Manifesting Love from the Inside Out um, on my website. If they order one of my books, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out, I'm comping them. I'm gifting them Manifesting Prosperity from the Inside Out. And uh, if they order from my website on Tammy B. Ph.D. spelled with an I. I'm also including a laminated book card. I can sign it. And I also embellish them with a Swarovski crystal. So that people find to be very special. It kind of, you know, have some nice energy in it. Um, yeah, so my website, TammyBPhD.com. People can write me if they have questions or want to know more at TammyBPhD at gmail.com. Uh, I've got a wonderful ebook and program on my website that is free. It's the seven reasons you're not manifesting what it is you really want in your life, and then 14 steps you can start to take to move energy in that direction, remove those blocks that come through the guided meditation and some audio portions. And I used to charge $97 for it, but I want to make that available to anyone who wants it gratis. Because, again, I want to help as many people as I can get to these higher uh, vibrational frequencies to like themselves, love themselves, and enjoy their life. I'm also involved in a global telesummit called Getting the Right Guy. My stuff isn't gender-specific, but uh, Michelle Marchant Johnson is facilitating this. And if you want to know more, go to my website, TammyBPhD.com, or write me, and I will invite you to this. This is happening on January 10th, and it's going to be really fun. There's going to be 25 other relationship experts there sharing their wisdom and expertise about manifesting lasting, sustained, happily ever after kind of love. I think John Gray is involved, Harville Hendricks and uh, 23 other experts, myself included, to support people in attracting and manifesting and living a life of great love. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure and privilege. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. This is The Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. When asked their secret of success, many entrepreneurs say things like being in the right place at the right time or even finding the right employees. These are probably true. 
But Andy McCartney, CEO of Bowdoin Manufacturing, may not agree. A graduate of the United States Naval Academy and an officer on the USS Enterprise, Andy is a true patriot. His company builds high-quality products for the military. Andy says his secret to success is the organization's commitment to community service. He knows his employees are good, but all are deeply involved with the community. That's the glue that holds them together. They're on nonprofit boards and volunteer for United Way campaigns. It's because they want to, not because they have to. Andy is a board member of Ronald McDonald House. It's part of his DNA. When you start your company, think about your community. It can mean the difference between success or failure. Welcome back to the world famous Chicky Jaguar radio program, coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. Our brand new Android app is available. You can listen to the 24-7 stream. Exclusive news and programming information. You can stream the show live at JiggyJaguar.us or find it in the Droid Store. Of course, selected editions will appear on iHeartRadio. Our telephone number is 267-22-JIGGY. Commercial-free podcast available red-linked on the homepage, JiggyJaguar.com. We've got a great guest we're going to talk to here in just a few moments. But before we do that... Let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. It's a great new Indiegogo campaign, Marshall Beats. Uh, that's right, Marshall Beats is a series of motivational music videos inspired by stories of real martial artists, including stars from MMA, Muay Thai, kickboxing, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, fitness music, and workout music as well. You can use these amazing, amazing Marshall Beats. Each episode will feature an athlete with an amazing story of their struggle against lives dramas and how by sheer determination hard work and willpower they were able to get through these hard times and change for the better we will also choose up up and coming musicians and arrange them to meet the athletes and listen to their story hopefully this will inspire the musician who will compose a track that they will make into a music video Marshall Beats episodes music and music videos will be launched on a designated YouTube video channel with a potential TV deal the tracks will also be available to download as high quality audio files check it out today on in Indiegogo.com. Search Marshall Beats. That's M-A-R-T-I-A-L-B-E-A-T-S. Marshall Beats on Indiegogo.com. Check it out today. We've got a great guest with us today joining us on the telephone. Robert Rice is with us today. He has got a great, great website BigOldBoxOfStuff.com. Check it out today, BigOldBoxOfStuff.com. Today's topic, the best viral YouTube videos of 2015. As we head into 2016, YouTube has released the annual list of the top trending videos for 2015. The list, ranging from car karaoke with Justin Bieber to a Super Bowl commercial, highlights the biggest videos on the website. Between trailers, commercials, let's plays, and comedy, gaming had a phenomenal year on YouTube. Robert Rice is with us today. He's a comic industry expert. He's also the founder and creator of B-O-B-O-S, a custom-built nerd retro box filled with a touch of today and a splash of yesterday's hottest trends. He's also in touch with the entertainment news and knowing the comic industry in his life. And he's with us today talking about this incredible, incredible list. Now, why have YouTube videos uh, that have been created have such a huge following, Robert? I believe it's, uh, it has a lot to do with accessibility. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, we have our cell phones on us at all times. 
And, you know, if we go out for lunch, uh, how many people can you point out that are looking at their uh, phone? So it's, I, I just believe it's accessibility. Um, it allows people to be a movie star for, you know, a couple of minutes. I mean, really, anybody can, can post anything on YouTube that people will watch it. We've got a great guest with us today. Robert Rice joins us here on the broadcast. He's a comic industry expert. He's also the founder and creator of B.O.B.O.S. Um, what What were some of the most watched videos of 2015? Um, some of the biggest ones were uh, some that uh, some of us actually hate, uh, myself included, unfortunately, which is uh, Watch Me Whip. Which was, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're under eight, you love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, I I know a six year old who loves the hell out of that video. Yes, yes. Um, so that that's a huge one. Um, anything dealing with Clash of Clans. I know there's an awesome video of Clash of Clash of Clans where Liam Neeson is uh, sponsoring it. And he's being, well, let's face it, William Neeson, who is, you know, pretty awesome. So, uh, <laughs> it's just a phenomenal uh, video there. Um, I mean, you have everything from pranks to, um, to you know, cats, dogs, anything cute with a cat and dog. Um, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have on there uh, lip syncing with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart and Jimmy Fallon. That was huge. Because um, those guys, you know, they're great and funny. Uh, people like to watch them. Um, you know, anything that's going to resonate uh, with your kids, uh, for the most part, and even adults, like I say, it's it's uh, it's just a nationwide. Oh yeah, you know, um, yeah. It's trend. it's. I mean, it's it really it's just it's it's phenomenal. We've got Robert Rice with us today. He's the founder and creator of Big Old Box of Stuff. He has used his intuition to build an awesome community of people to have old school versus new school or even a Batman versus Superman debate. He's with us today here on our broadcast. Um what what was some of the uh the 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 list here because it seems like YouTube has been uh on top of the entertainment scale for a long time. How long has this been? Gosh, um I would say as long as pretty much uh I would say the biggest push was like I say having uh, having iPhones where you could have it with you. You didn't have to sit at your computer desk and uh you know waste time at work. Haha. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you could have it with you, you know, during your lunch hour or, or, or you know, whenever you, whenever you wanted. So, um, I think it's been, uh, I think it's been very, very popular within the past 10 years. Um, it, it's just been huge. Um, you can get all your m- movie information, you know, trailers. People love watching trailers. I know with the new Star Wars movie out, how many people probably watched that trailer, you know, 30 times like I did. So, <laughs> We've got Robert Rice with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone talking about some of the best viral videos of the past year. Um, now, with, with with a lot of this, how how has folks become, uh, f- such as YouTube and some, some of these folks, how has this become, they've become the experts in the industry? Because there's a lot of videos out, Lydia, you know, just litany of sites. There's, you know, Daily Motion and Vimeo and all these. How how have they become the expert in the industry? 
Um, the funny thing is, and, you know, a lot of people like to, you know, introduce me as an expert in the industry, and, and I definitely appreciate it. And I, I am well knowledge in the fact, but as far as a complete, total expert, uh, that may be pushing it. And I think a lot of the people that are on YouTube like to consider themselves to be an expert because, you know, they want people to watch them. They want people to believe what they're saying. Um, you know, some people are, some people aren't. Um, it's, it's just quite as simple as that. Um, you know, it just depends on the sources that you go to and if you just want to watch it for entertainment purposes. But if you're watching it to, you know, let's just say tra change the transmission in your car, you better get, you know, you better do your research on that before you, you know, think somebody's an expert. So. <laughs> We've got a, a great guest with us today. Robert Rice joins us here on the broadcast. Um, how has BOBOS caught fire in the subscription trend? Well, um, Big Old Box of Stuff is a custom-designed um, subscription box based on your questionnaire that you fill out before you subscribe. Uh, we have over 50, uh, 50 genres that you can choose from. And we totally uh, fill your box filled with those genres. It's, um, like I say, completely customizable. No box is the same. And I think it's caught fire because people like watching the unboxings. People like watching what people, other people got because it's going to be totally different from what they got. We've got a great guest with us today joining us on the telephone, talking a little bit about uh, some of the, de some of the, the, the damnedest uh, viral videos of 2015. Uh, we've got Robert Rice with us today, Big Old Box of Stuff. Check out BigOldBoxOfStuff.com. Why do, what, what, what do these boxes consist of? These boxes are going to consist of uh, anything from comic books, magazines, action figures, uh, the latest craze has been pop vinyl figures, uh, keychains, magnets, buttons, um, anything that's going to be collectible. And those go under the categories of uh, comic books, Spider-Man, Batman, Walking Dead, uh, Star Wars, horror movies, sci-fi movies, uh, what have you. We've got Robert Rice with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone talking about big old box of stuff. Also, the best viral videos of 2015. How many subscribers do you have and how many packages do you ship? Currently, uh, we have, uh, the past month, increased ourselves by 40%. Now, a lot of this uh, has to do with, obviously, uh, Christmas, um, you know, coming around, people uh choosing that instead of having to go out themselves, which is which is great. We, we really enjoy doing it. Uh, we are shipping out, this past month, we shipped out 240 boxes. So uh, we've grown exponentially uh, since we started in late March, in which we only had 50 customers. Wow. But the more research you do on... Uh the oceans, the more you find that uh, the fish stocks are collapsing, and that's where this came about. But uh, the idea of redirecting defense spending uh, is something that I've been working on for 30 years. Uh, I was in the anti-nuclear movement when I was a kid, and uh, uh, my law firm did the nerve gas case against the U.S. Army, and we forced them to clean up all the Indian reservations nationally from formerly used defense sites. Uh, so I've been at this a long time. Now, all of us know that the oceans have some problems, but 
uh, I had no idea of the extent of the problems until I started doing more research on this book. Um, you're killing 70 million sharks a year for sharks in soup. That's unsustainable. You have long lines that go out there and catch everything imaginable. And, uh, they kill everything imaginable. That's unsustainable. Uh, bycatch, throwing things back into the ocean after throwing uh, the fish back after you've killed them because that's not the species you're after. Uh, that's a waste of God's creation, and that's just not something that we should do. Um, the big predator fish, 90% of them are now gone. The big bluefin, tuna, swordfish, sailfish, marlin, uh, sharks, uh, we need to really, really look closely at this. It needs to be a presidential election issue on uh, amending the Law of the Seas Treaty and uh, closing off international waters to commercial fishing. What we need to do is we need to create a global high-speed marine preserve, which is what we're advocating. That would make 70% of the ocean a wildlife park, and that would work. We've got Danny Quintana joining us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and, of course, the brand-new Jiggy Jaguar app, JiggyJaguar.us. Danny is in San Diego right now. Training for the wheelchair tennis tourney in Palm Springs at the end of the month. And he joins us today talking about this incredible, incredible petition. Now, um, you basically want to uh, get people to go over, sign the petition, get things going. Kind of tell us a little bit about the High Seas Marine Sanctuary petition. A little bit more details on this so folks know what they're getting into. Also, talk to us about the million signatures you're seeking. Well, uh, all of you that uh, were asking, you're getting in on the ground floor. This is a petition to the governments of the planet, the global leaders, and what the petition recognizes is that since 1970, half of the wildlife in the ocean has been slaughtered. Uh, the world's major fisheries are collapsing or are in decline, and they're being overfished. Uh, you have 70 million sharks that are being killed annually for shark fin soup. We seek to stop that. You have 90% of the predators in the ocean that are being killed. See, the reason people can't see the destruction of the ocean is it's below the water. You know, you look out there, you see the crisp blue waves. But most of the ocean is like a desert. uh, There's very little life on it. And when you get these huge industrial trawlers with their big, massive nets, and those nets drag the bottom, they're killing coral reefs that are 4,000 years old. So they're killing humanities and the planet's heritage, and uh, it's only a small number of fishermen. This is why I think we can win this battle. You know, this isn't a battle like uh, making a global climate change. You know, this isn't a battle uh, like trying to bring peace on Earth and stop the the madness that's going on with various religious nutshots that are out there shooting each other. This is basically a rule change, and you have rule changes all the time, ladies and gentlemen. You have rule changes football where we go with instant replay and we can have a rule change when it comes to the ocean. The rule change is this. No commercial fishing in the high seas. That's international waters. That's the area past 200 miles. And um, it's a simple rule change but it's a rule change that will profoundly affect the planet. Uh, Basically it will save the fish stocks from collapse because the fish they don't recognize national boundaries. Yeah, within the 200 mile limit you know, nations do try to govern uh, their shores and uh, their waters. But out past 200 miles, it's no man's land and the tragedy of the common. Uh, 
uh, the fish belong to everyone, so therefore they don't belong to anyone, and so consequently they're fished out. So this is something that I would encourage all of you to sign the petition. It's at change.org, or you can just go to the website, spaceandoceanexploration.com. The website is spaceoceanexploration.com. Sign the petition, and let's move this thing forward. Uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time. We certainly have spent a lot of money on this thing because there are things in life that are more important than just money and uh, self-service. Uh, there's things in life that we have to get involved in that involve everybody. And this involves everyone. This involves your children, your grandchildren. And the best way to do this is for everybody to become a part of it because most environmental battles we're probably not going to win. The collapse of the aquifers, the dead zones that are going into the oceans, from rivers, from pollution. But this is one environmental battle that is absolutely winnable. Uh, it was like when the buffalo were being hunted to extinction. A small group of people like yourselves out there in Radio Land got together and said, no, let's stop all the buffalo from being killed, and consequently we have buffalo today. Uh, it was like with whaling. When whales were being hunted to extinction, a small group of concerned people like yourselves out there in Radioland got together and said, no, this is wrong, we need to change it, and it was changed. And we can do this with the fish stocks. Uh, we can do this with the predator fish, and uh, we can save the fish fisheries from collapse. So sign the petition and spread it. Uh, the website that Brad created is absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you guys have been to us, but yep, yep. he created the world's largest website on space and ocean exploration. And uh, the website is spaceoceanexploration.com. Uh, we have at least 108 different pages, documentaries on here. Uh, it's very, very informative, and uh, it will tell you what sustainable fishing practices are and uh, how you can... Uh, you know, you can eat seafood. We're, we're encouraging people to eat seafood. Let's just be smart about it. We've got Danny Quintana with us today. He joins us live. High Scenes Marine Sanctuary Petition is seeking a million signatures. Protection must extend beyond 200 miles to save fish and oceans. And uh, Danny Quintana is our guest today. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the different things that would be banned under this uh uh, under this high seas industrial commercial fishing situation here? The petition is for, for the creation of a global high seas marine preserve. Let me first explain what a marine preserve is. If you go to the Florida Keys, there's a marine preserve there that is just wonderful. You can go out there, you can sail, you can do uh, just sport fishing with a license, and the sea life is abundant, it's beautiful, it's and you go further north to the areas that are not protected, like Fort Lauderdale and that, it's good luck trying to catch any fish off the pier because a lot of these places are just fished out. So what we would do is we would create a global high seas marine preserve, which would mean that 70% of the ocean would be a commercial it would be a commercial free fishing zone. It would be a wildlife park. It would just mean that these huge industrial trawlers that are causing the damage couldn't go out there and decimate the ocean. That's all we're proposing. You know, no long lining. These long lines that go out uh, oh, 40 and 50 kilometers and just kill everything, those would be banned. So, all in all, it would work out perfect. 
Now, uh, Danny, what, what, what's the next step once the petition's done? Once the petition is signed, then uh, after we get enough signatures, then what we're going to do is an international media campaign, and uh, we're going to be applying for grants to about 90 different foundations. We've already identified them. They're in the website, so if you go to spaceoceanexploration.com, uh, you will see uh, the various uh, international foundations that are out there that are working on these issues. There's some great organizations that are out there, thank you, that are working on this really, really important uh, and historic environmental battle. The Pew Charitable Trust, Bloomberg, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's foundation, numerous others are all doing a wonderful job, but they need your help. And that's why we are proposing this global high seas marine preserve. Uh, this is an idea whose time has come, and uh, we need you out there to go to the website and sign the petition. Well, good stuff, Danny. I always appreciate talking to you. Good luck with the tennis tournament, and uh, good luck with the petition, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me on. Exploration.com. And thank you, uh, all you listeners out there. Let's, let's win this battle. Definitely. Well, thank you, Danny. Appreciate it, my friend. We're going to take a time out and come back with more here on the big program. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.